You know, my brother and his wife and family, they, you know, my brother's a faithful man. He's a faithful man. And, and uh, yesterday I was so proud of him, very proud of him. I mean, that's not easy. And I, I, I was very proud of him. And, you know, the word of the Lord he brought, I think he represented the gospel yesterday to a lot of people. And, and I'll tell you, the less people are religious and committed to others in a church setting, the more open they are to things. So a lot of times you have to defend what you've committed to for so long, you know what I mean? But it was a wonderful uh, honoring of, of little Joel and, and a great message. And, you know, I took strength to do it. And I know he has a strong family behind him supporting him and they support each other and we just love y'all so much and so this morning I want to preach a message that I believe is right on time with what God's saying to us in the book of Isaiah chapter 45 it says can there be evil in the city and the Lord hath not done it I the Lord create good and I create evil I create light and I create darkness see most people don't really know the God that we serve or we don't serve usually. And we know people, we, you know, they, they don't even know God's name. Hey, yeah, I remember, uh, I remember somebody came to me one time and, and uh, told, told somebody that I was their pastor. And they said, well, what's his name? You, you know, that guy that's... Look, if I'm, not, if I'm your apostle, you should at least know my name. He don't know his name. He don't know his son's name. And that's one of the reasons, most of the reason a lot of people's prayers just aren't answered. Sometimes I think that God is more apt to answer an unbeliever's prayer than he is somebody who's calling him by the wrong name. It'd be like me kissing my wife and saying, uh, Betty, you're so beautiful. That was her mother's name, by the way. I thought it was a safe thing to say. I mean, I want to tell you this, you know, Betty, you're so beautiful. I mean, you, you, don't, you don't want to say that to somebody. Oh, I praise you, Jesus. Can y'all hear me? We're past this, aren't we? Sadly, people are going to find out what his name is, but it's probably going to be too late. And I want to say something to us today, and we better get this quick in the land that we live in. The story of the Bible is not some romance novel type story. i got to tell you, I'm not against it. But people who are ignorant of the Scriptures but read novels this thick... He may have to stand before Yahshua one day and say, well, you would have known something if you'd have, if you spent all the time on those novels. I ain't looking at nobody in here. But it's easy to read this. Or we, let me do it, put it this way. If we'd spent all the time watching sports, does that even it out, ladies? Well, y'all make me work for this this morning, ain't you? The God of the Bible ain't some sentimental daddy. Yes, he's a father. But he ain't a father who's afraid to be just. And his son is not a Disney movie knight in shining armor on a white horse that came to rescue you. When he comes on his white horse, he ain't coming to rescue. He's coming to establish a kingdom. No wonder we don't have faith of God to be able to do great things in our lives because we kind of think he's just that Prince Charming who to me is always seems to be effeminate. Except the beauty and the beast. The fact is, when we have just a sentimental love, that's unaccompanied by obedience, your love is not accepted by God. He knows you like him. He knows that. And when Yahshua does return on that white horse, which y'all know it's not a real horse, right? It's a metaphoric white horse. It's going to be to judge the world and destroy all governments and take his place as the king. And the Bible describes it like this. 
He's going to rule it with a rod of iron. Now, I know a family, and years ago, I knew the granddaddy, the daddy and the granddaddy of this family. And this person can attest, if I had them come up here today and attest, but their granddaddy would lay them all on the ground and get a large stick to whip all of them. He said, I'll just get you one at one time. Is that true? Don't just say amen. That person knows who's here today knows. That's a true story. Lays them all out. One, two, three, four, five. Get a big old peach limb or something like that. Kapow! Get them all in one shot. Three licks times five. Is it true, Lillian, or not? Oh, I'm, I'm, it slipped out of my mouth. I'm sorry. <laughs> I knew him. I knew that boy. Let me tell you, listen to God describing his own character and nature to Moses. He said, okay, Moses. This is Exodus chapter 34, verse 6 and 7. He said, okay, Mo. It says, the Lord, the Lord, Yahweh, Yahweh, a God merciful and gracious. I like that. Slow to anger. I like that. Abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness and keeping steadfast love and faithfulness for thousands forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Hallelujah! Don't you love Dr. Jekyll? Maybe I shouldn't title this Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. But here it finishes and says, But who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation? All right. I'm going to warn you there, Mo. I'm going to let you know who I am. This is who I am. And please, don't throw up that Old Testament. Because the Bible, there was no New Testament when they wrote the Bible that said the Scriptures are good for doctrine and, rebuke and, and reproof. And instruction of righteousness. Here God reveals two attributes about who He is. He is so merciful. Aren't you glad for His mercy today? But He's also just. And some people, you know, will read that just simply as a, oh, okay, this is God's qualities. But if we pause and consider, we realize this, God is merciful but just. There are two qualities that don't seem to go together so easily. And it's important for us to note that this is God's own revelation of his own character. He said, look, I'm going to love you. I want we to forgive you. But don't cross me. Well, people do whatever they want to do. They think there's no consequences for sin. Adam didn't die of his sin until after 900 years. I think what Moses assumed God to be like. I think it's arrogant, presumptuous of us to say that we know God is merciful, is unmerciful and unjust based on our own perceptions of God. You know that there's people who just because they can't walk in faith about something, they don't think anybody can. They don't think it's possible. It ain't possible. When are you doing that? What? what? No, that don't, God don't do that. Well, no, he don't do it for you, but he can do it for me. Is it true or not? Logical re reasoning sees the scripture and screams that there's a contradiction. He said, God can't be both. He can't be merciful and just. Oh, yes, he can. How many of you have been married before? You ever had a spouse? It can be this and that. Oh, the sweetest woman in the world. Stop. Come on, man, lighten up. It's kind of funny. He punishes our sins fully without holding back. Does that mean is, is he's unmerciful? No. How's it possible? The easiest response to do is do what everybody does. They don't believe who God says he is. They don't believe what the Bible teaches. So they pick out the part of God's character they like to pick on or pick out and focus on. I want to tell you something. God 
is the supreme creator of the universe. He's the supreme ruler of the universe. And it's his right to dispense justice however he wants to. As a matter of fact, if he wants to annihilate everything, he has the right to do it because it's his whether you acknowledge it or not. I tell people, you know, you've got to understand you've been bought with a price. Whether they believe it or not, their life is not their own. To disagree with about who God is and what he can do, it's, it's like saying, well, there, there's no sun. There's no sky. Then I heard people tell me this. They say, well, if he's like that, I just ain't going to serve him. Boy, that's cutting off your nose to spite your face, isn't it? I'm just not going to serve him. Okay. This morning, I have so many things in my heart that I want to say that I believe you always saying to us. And I, I'm more than anything in my life. I have a need and a desire for Yahweh's presence in my life. I'm kind of like David, and not, you know, not as great like him, but I'm him in the sense that, you know, uh, Lord, don't take your spirit from me. I don't care what it is, what I have to lose, or whatever it counts, which I have to tell you this, I've never lost anything serving God. I got way beyond what I probably could have ever done in my own ability. And I start every day meditating. Not like this, because I can't get my legs quite that way anymore, but I'll just sit there, and I begin to allow myself to want, meditate and my mind to ponder and so I, I approach Yahweh's gate with a simple gratitude list because he's been good to me. I've had crap happen in my life. You're not, we're not going to avoid that. But I got to tell you, if it wasn't for Yahweh in my life, I would be in worse shape than I am today. I'm better off serving God. And I'm not complaining about it. I'm not saying, well, if I, served, if I didn't serve God, I'd be here. And I serve God, I'm like right here. That ain't, no, no. And when I enter his gates with my simple gratitude list man the gates of god swing open wide for me like those automatic doors at a winn dixie by the time i get to his courts and meditating on all the good things that god does for me and has done for me and i believe will do for me my heart and my mouth begins to be filled with praise for all that he's done and then that right there grounds me and my faith and it builds my spiritual immune system because hard times are going to come. But I need something that will shield me from hard times that I might be going through now or in the future. Can't find anywhere in the Bible that says, I promised you a rose garden. He said, look, you're going to die. Every one of us is going to die. Every one of us is going to have problems. Every one of us may face all these difficulties. Everything, it's going to happen. But I know that we can, we can have that shield of, with Yahweh. That this is the day the Lord hath made. I can say that, and I can, will, I can and will rejoice. And this is what the word Yahweh gave me today, I, I, this week. Or it was last week, I can't remember. He said, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say, this is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice for. Listen, my mama used to make me, go ahead. She said, quit crying, I'll give you something to cry about. You get glad. I mean, my mom will hit, hit me with a belt or stick or brush or anything, or extension cord, anything she get a hold of. But I could outmaneuver. And my mother would make me quit crying. So what I'd do when she first start with me, I'd start, <laughs> I'd cry quickly and then stop real quick. I think she had a bad elbow. <laughs> she went to the hospital one time. They said, what do you got, tennis elbow? No, belt elbow. Y'all bear with me a little bit today. I know people that can make me mad. Y'all got anybody in your life that can make you mad? Huh? Can your kids make you mad? Come on. Come on. Let me choke city. Come on. Come here. People can make you mad. Well, let me tell you what God does. He'll make you glad. He will make you glad. 
And that's what I need in my life a lot of times. I need somebody just to make me glad. And my God does that. For he is with me. And his rod and his staff, they comfort me. He prepares a table before me. Man, go read Psalm 23. See, God, I'm not limited in my walk to what way you might limit yourself. And you shouldn't have to limit your walk in who you, what you receive from God by what somebody else experienced may have been. Because just because you don't, don't mean I don't. And just because you can't, don't mean I can't. And just because it ain't happening to you, doesn't mean it can't happen to me. Hallelujah. I determined that. I'll never allow the mediocrity of someone else's experience, that lukewarm thing, put a ceiling on my experience with God. Don't you either. You hear me? I said, don't you either. Angels are coming one day and they're going to separate the wheat and the tares. Excuse me. Always already see. I already see a real separation taking place. I see sheep and goats being separated. Those who recognize that we're bought with a price and we are not our own and those that don't. I got to tell you something. Some people ain't here today because they, they think they could make that decision and just not be anywhere anytime they decide. Other people have real reasons. People, people do what they want to do because they don't understand that they're not their own anymore. And really, you come to think about it, leave God out of the equation. You're not your own anyhow. You have to pay taxes. You have to do this. You, y'all hear what I'm saying? So we have this, this thing of people that don't understand that. There's, oh, oh, a few, the Bible says, who are honest in their dealings with Yahweh, in their heart toward Him. And it includes money, too. Then you got those who think they can do whatever they want to, when they want to, how they want to, with their time, with their money, with their, their whatever. They have no concept that they were purchased with a price. Most people think they got a, ba- a valet or a butler. God do this for me. God do, he didn't do that for me. He didn't do that for me. Of course, we all know that what we do with our money gets to the guts of honesty in any relationship, really. True. Be honest. Be true. Don't say, oh, I love my grandkids and never give them nothing. Don't say, oh, I love my wife and you never spit. You're, you're, it follows that. Eventually, we must come to the place where the reason that we're keeping Yahweh's laws is because we love Him and we want to. That's the place you must get to. Or you will not get a well done. You've got to love God more than anything else or you're not going to get a well done. And only those who love Him and want to are going to inherit the kingdom of God, man. You, look, we got to quit playing around now before it's too late. One of the things that, before I get into the main issue this morning, because I feel like this is not really a teaching as much as a prophetic word. I think, I think Pastor Joel gave a great teaching yesterday. He preached the gospel. People had an opportunity to hear and receive it. Let me tell you something Yahweh rejects. Y'all look at me real close. I want you to hear this and receive this. He rejects complainers. You know what he does with complainers? He leaves them scattered in the wilderness, and they never get to the promised land. I preached a message. I was looking for a, a message on YouTube channel, and I was going to send it to somebody, and I came across one I preached a long, long time ago called Wine Bivers, W-H-I-N-E. People whining all the time. Look, we, we, we don't really have much to whine about just living in America the way it is. If you don't believe me, go somewhere else. The fact is people whine, and they can never enter the promised land. They can never enter the promised land. Complain about every single thing. Now, I gotta, I'm going to say this right quick before I get into my message. A lot of people have been asking me, what's the first fruit offering? New people who are coming in. First fruit offering is the first paycheck 
Before taxes, God gets it first, just like the tithe, before Uncle Sam gets any. And it's the first paycheck of the sacred year. That's what we do here. I have teaching on it. You can look. But that's what we do. But I'm going to tell you all something else Yahweh told me what's this? this week. He told me to tell you all this. Are you listening? If you're going to complain about it, don't bring it. If you're going to complain about it, keep it. Keep it. Studied a lot in my life, looking and searching for the truth, even though I kind of had the truth, but I didn't, because Christianity is not the truth. Sorry. I know people have a hard time swallowing that, but guess what? Now, now is a new era of my life. I'm in the fourth quarter now. I said that last time, <laughs> 10 years ago. I'm going back to the fourth quarter. And this is my attitude without being mean or ugly or nasty or anything. Take it or leave it. I'm not going to chase people down. I'm not going to love it, want it for them more. They, I, I'm not going to stop the motions of it, but I ain't going to want it for more people than they want it. Here it is. I'm preaching you and giving you the bread of life. And if you don't want it, and I'm, I'm not talking to y'all, right? You don't want it? I don't care. In the sense that I might as well not. I'm going to tend to the precious. I want to tell you this. I've, I've searched. One of the things that I was really interested in was, was Judaism. Yeshua was a Jew. The, 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 you know, Christianity supposedly is a Jewish religion. It ain't, but it's supposedly. One of the things that caught my interest was, the, was Kabbalah. And I studied a lot about Kabbalah. And it really, really, really appealed to me. The intellectualism of it, the steps and this and that, and the coolness of it. Kabbalah got cool all of a sudden. I could wear a string on my... Man, if I was Kabbalah, I could wear a string right there. Two strings, man. I could walk around and know I'm cutting edge of something or another that maybe somebody else don't know. And my ego would just puff up big. I studied about the 15 gates of understanding. Oh, oh 50 gates of understanding. Years ago, I taught on the, the Ascension Steps in Song of Solomon. I can't remember like a hundred of them. <laughs> I almost didn't make it to the top. I was so tired. And as I began to... Study these things like the mystical meaning of the meaning of the mitzvah of Teflon and what it had to do with the four brains. Oh, 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 man, I, I was digging on that right there. That just, I just thought I was smart. Kind of reminds me of my granddaughter, Goo Goo, and she puts makeup on. She puts it on, she puts it on. She's like, ooh, ooh, she got a big old lipstick right there. She got eyeshadow and all kind of stuff, and she comes in there smiling because she thinks she looks so good. Is it true? Oh, look at me. And that's how I like, yeah, the mitzvah of Teflon and how it applies to the four brains. Well, the meaning of the mitzvah of Tetzit has to do with the 32 pounds of the chakma. Oh, mm. oh it was so satisfying. Ah, uh, my knowledge, that hunger, I was gobbling, man. I mean, I was just gobbling this stuff up. It's like banana pudding ice cream. I couldn't stop. But it was only after 6 o'clock that I could have it, Connie. But the fact is, there are steps of ascension toward God. As we ascend up the mount of our own transfiguration, the path becomes brighter and brighter and brighter, the Bible says. Proverbs 4.18 says this, but the path of the just is as the, as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. There it is. So it's like, a, it's like an ascension up the Mount of Transfiguration. And we're, we're being transformed. And the higher we climb and reflect God's character, the more we become like the image of the invisible God. I always think it's like this. 
I become more invisible and he becomes more visible. I must decrease, he must increase. We're ascending that place. It's a journey of continual renewal of our minds and the renewal of our character to become like God, God-likeness, godliness. And that's worshiping the image of God. And this is what leads us to everlasting life. Not just one time walk down the aisle or pray a sinner's prayer and boom, we're good. The opposite happens when we desire to be like the world or world-likeness or worldliness. We are going down steps of dissension and darkness. And those steps lead us to everlasting death. I think we're in a peculiar time in history at the closing of the age. I've said it over and over and over to you about the end of the Gentile age. Preached about it, talked about it. And I'm seeing what it's becoming like. As we have a quest for immortality, there is more than just one level to achieve. Asking Jesus in your heart ain't even scriptural. Bow your head and say a sinner's prayer. It's not even scriptural. The fact is, the lie of the serpent in the garden in all of modern Christendom is that you already have immortality, so you don't have to strive for immortality. Even though the Bible says that there's only one who has immortality. That's Yeshua. He's the only one that's already ascended. And when I say to heaven, when I say that, I don't mean into heaven. He did go to heaven. We have a transfiguration that takes place in us, but it happens from glory to glory. The psalmist David spoke of these as plurally as he talks about gates and courts too. Now I want to tell you, I, I, I was digging, I was digging Kabbalah, man. I, 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 I was digging it. it. But I found out this, it was just, I started to say a bunch of fat, but I really like fat. So I, it's a lot of waste. It's grounded in some truths, but it goes off into mysticism and those kind of things, kind of like Christianity. He said gates, courts, and, and we have to and have the privilege of an opportunity to enter each gate that we come to. And we should do it with thanksgiving because it leads us to the court of that place in God and at the next level to a place of praise. As we walk this journey, I want to tell you, it, it, it ain't a bed of roses. It's not an easy thing to do. But guess what? I can have people testify to this. Life ain't that easy either. We got it pretty easy in America, but because we're so unoccupied with, with having to, you know, get food and grow food and hope it, hope it rains and all that kind of stuff, we have so much room in our minds that a lot of people are, have to deal with, you know, mental issues. The ports, and I'll tell you what I found out, at every level that I have to enter with, with persecution, that I have to enter with, with violence, I have to go in every level that I go to, and I enter his gates with thanksgiving, and I enter his courts with praise. I want to tell you what he does for me at every level. He will make me glad. Sometimes I, I need to make people. He, God needs to make me glad. Anybody need God to make them glad sometimes? I'm, I'm, I'm mad. I'm mad about stuff. I'm not happy about stuff. I'm, you know, whiny, whiny boy. I mean, uh, blah, blah, blah. complain or whatever. I need God to make me glad. But I want to tell you what, you can't find the gladness is in the place of your arrival to the next glory that God's called you to. Because staying in where you are will not make you glad because you can't stay where you are. Psalm 1611, listen to this. Thou wilt show me the path of life, and in thy presence is fullness of joy. And at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. I'm in. I'm in. 
But it's not easy to get there. Nothing's really easy. We used to teach it this way. Revelation, transfiguration, manifestation. Revelation comes, then the transfiguration comes, and then manifestation comes. The Word becomes flesh. We become what that next level is. Another pattern that the Bible gives, and I appreciate it, God narrowing it down to like seven levels instead of 50 levels and gates and chakmas and titsits and all those things. Seven baptisms. I taught it to you. Baptism into repentance. Baptism into water. Baptism into the Holy Spirit. Baptism into fire. Baptism into suffering. Excuse me, the body. Baptism into suffering and baptism into the cloud. There is the process that we go in our walk with God. Those are the seven levels, seven baptisms. Really, it's only one baptism, but those are the, the way that God breaks it up for us. Okay, here we're going to go here. Here we're going to go here. Here we're going to go here. What people do, we seek our own ways, and we have resisted the demands of Christ. We make stuff up, and we think we can just take half of something and not all of it, and we don't realize that God says, I have departed from you. Then we don't understand, well, why don't God do this? Because you have left him. This is the path we have to stay on. All of us, in our own way, many times are tempted to seek out our own way. We pursue our own pleasures. We think our own thoughts. We do what we think is okay with ourselves. Seeming, though, that we're presuming we're worshiping Yahweh and doing his will when we just half-ass doing it. And as Cody said, that's good preaching, right, Cody? If you half-ass God, he will half-ass you back. You understand that? That's one of the greatest sayings I ever said. Y'all get a t-shirt next week, I'll have one. See, it's easy sometimes. It's difficult for some people. Some people are rebellious enough, man. They hear me preach this gospel. I'll tell you why. They'll agree with it. Now, they don't agree with the commitment part or coming to church or tithing. They don't, not that. And it's amazing to me how some people will come to church and, and then they don't even believe nothing I teach. I'm like, and I just figured out that it's just that I'm so good looking and wonderful, they just can't stay away from me. The last person did that, we had to call the sheriffs, but I mean, besides that, it was a joke, a stalking joke. Come to church, yeah, hallelujah, Yahweh, Yahweh, Yahweh. I want to tell you, Joel, I was so blessed with what uh, Shade said uh, at the the memorial yesterday, declaring Yahweh's name. I mean, I love when people declare that name, that name. But if we still live our everyday lives in a rebellious, independent, or even religious way, we always going to end up like the prodigal. And you know where he went. You know what his life. It always gets you. That path is always going to get you eating pig leftovers. I don't know what that is. I've never seen pig leftovers. I've seen some pig parts that some people left over. I've seen, well, I ain't seen nobody leave any bacon lately. You know what I mean? I'm going to prophesy something to you. Somebody the other day, I said, well, you know, can you take the prophet when I begin to speak as a prophet? That's the question. Pastor, love you, long-suffering. Government teacher, he'll just teach you some stuff. Teaching pastor. Evangelist, he'll just want you to come and to the altar so he can notch his Bible. But when you have an apostle and a spiritual father in your life, that's a whole other story. And then when I begin to speak prophetically, I don't, a lot of people can't, can't handle it. But you've entered a day of dawning of the day of the Lord, y'all. Listen to me. 
Jesus coming back real soon, brother. That's what one of the buddies said. I said, who's Jesus? I don't have time anymore to water this down. I don't have time anymore to say, I have to say, okay, I don't mind explaining to people. I'm going to declare the name of the Lord. I'm not ashamed. In the midst of the nations, the Bible says. But we're, it's the dawning of the day of the Lord and his doing. Listen to this scripture in Matthew. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in the heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. And they shall gather together his elect with the, from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. I want to tell you something. There is a collection and a gathering taking place as I speak in the hearts and lives of people. I've taught you years ago about the three solemn feasts of the Lord. Yahweh has three feasts. The first one, Passover, has three feasts in it. Pentecost and then Tabernacles, which is divided in threes. And each of these feasts, let me just say this in generalization, they represent an inner reality of your journey and my journey and our journey to getting our well done. The first feast represents our conversion, our repentance, our faith, our baptism. The second feast, Pentecost, first feast of Passover, of course. Let me tell you this, the word Easter in the book of Acts is the Greek word Pesach, which is Passover. There isn't, they, Christians don't celebrate Easter. If you want to eat them chocolate bunnies, I think you'd go for it. But and what are those things? Peeps. Baby's allowed to have peeps. They're shaped like squirrels, no rabbits. And I just ain't, I ain't funny today. I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm always try to kind of lighten it up. I don't, I don't know if I'm, okay, Lord, I won't lighten it up anymore. Pentecost represents us receiving the spirit of promise, the beginning of our inheritance, the down payment of Yahweh's kingdom, and the down payment of God himself in man. It's also known as the Feast of Weeks and the Feast of Harvest and the Day of First Fruits. That's what we're doing. We are first fruit people. I'm a first fruit people. Why is that important? I'm also a tithe, part of the tithe company. Why is that important, Johnny? Why do you believe? Well, hang on. For the past over 2,000 years, I've heard it that God is trying to get everybody in the world saved. I've given money to missionaries. We've supported missionaries who go out and preach the gospel to heathens, I guess. And I want to tell you what, be honest with you, there's enough heathens where, where, where I live. I don't have to go. You want to go to the mission field, go to the shores, right? Silver Spring Shores. You can touch every nation, can't you? Man, they got, uh, they got every nation of the world live out there. I'm not being critical. I'm telling you, the nations of the world are right there. Yeah, well, you know, we just got to preach, and let's make sure we go to, to where nobody ever heard the gospel before preach it to them. Don't go screwing up their lives. I don't preach good, does it? It does to me. You're trying to seek and save that which is lost. Wait a minute. Did he say lost? He didn't say he was just going around looking for stuff or looking for people. He's looking to seek and to save those that are lost, meaning, meaning there's some kind of pre-ownership there. How can you lose something that you never had? It's true. Evidently, if that's true, glad you're here today. And God's doing a terrible job of evangelism. I said, God's doing a terrible Come on, face it. Come on. Can, can we admit that? Like those big churches, Christianity is going down the hill. It ain't even growing anymore. God sucks at this. He's had over 2,000 years. And look where we're at. The fact is, on the whole, most humans are so selfish and sinful that they don't need to be saved. They don't even believe in God anymore. Face it, they don't believe in God. They're not scared of hell. 
You can preach hell to them until you're blue in the face. If I go down there and parties, what I'm going to do? If heaven ain't like Dixie, I don't want to go. That's actually a song for some of you older people we know. God can't even save these people from their wicked attitudes. God can't even save people from their unbelief and their desire to serve their flesh. It put, that made me feel pretty good. When you want it for somebody more than they want it, you want to choke them and say, look, 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 look what it says. Oh, it's so good, look. They don't care. Is it true or not? The truth is, he ain't trying to win the whole world. He's coming after the first fruits. Listen to me. I'm not going to get all, teach the whole thing about it. He's looking for a people who are called after his name. He's looking for the Yahweh people. He, he's looking for the Yahshua people. I want to tell you, he ain't looking for the Jesus people. I had a friend, uh, not a friend of mine. I don't know why I call him a friend. I kind of know him from, from other people and all. He was a big, he's a, he was and probably still is a pretty famous evangelist. If he, who's famous evangelist today, I don't, I don't know and I don't care. But he said, I saw a thing on Facebook. I hadn't seen the guy in a long time. He said, this is why the Jesus movement failed. And he said it's because they taught the rapture. I said, I'll tell you why it failed. Because there ain't no such thing as the Jesus movement. Because that ain't even his name. Y'all hear me? Y'all scared to say it? Y'all scared to say that? Are you ashamed of his name? You are. He'll be ashamed of you. Look, it, it either is or it ain't. There's only one name under heaven by which men can be saved. That's either true or it ain't. If not, just don't, you know, if that ain't true, none of it's true. That's how I live it. Listen, he's, he's gathering the first fruit. The tithe company is what I called it. A people unto himself. A people unto himself. Now, the great white throne judgment, there's going to be other people. But right now, the judgment seat of Christ, he's looking for a people who he can trust to a ruling reign. Let me just tell you how I used to say it. It's the time for tabernacles. Transitional voice, you make the choice. Blow the trumpet, sound it loud. Transitional voice of God. See the moving of the cloud. Transitional voice of God. Hear the prophets prophesy. Transitional voice of God. Crossing over, time is nigh. Transitional. Man, put the soundtrack on. The time has come, the culmination of the ages. God has revealed to us his truth in different stages. Forget the past and don't be bound by its shackles. It's time to celebrate. Bump, 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 bump. And that was, what was that, the 90s, 80s, 90s? Prophetic song about tabernacles. It's the feast of the ingathering. It's now his pleasure. God is now finding those people. He is calling those people. He's given us opportunity because he, it's his pleasure to give his chosen elect people the kingdom. It's the day of his, he's gathering the elect. And I, I know that teaching has been perverted. You probably don't know about it. And I bring it up, and I shouldn't, because the fact is nobody knows about it anymore. Let me tell you what it's at. All right? Were you baptized in repentance? Maybe. Been baptized into water? Some people think, I, I, do I need to get baptized into water? Yeah, under this new gospel you do. There's a man right now who, he, I'm starting to disciple him. He don't live in this town even. But he said, hey, I've already been baptized. He said, you were baptized under a long, wrong belief. You were misled. You're, that, you, you can't be baptized into that. You just got wet. So then, baptism, baptism of the Holy Spirit. My experience with baptism of the Holy Spirit with people, and excuse me for saying this, and I hate to say it, it's just my observation, and I, and I have my right to my opinion of what I've seen, and I've been around more than you may know, and that is Pentecostal people. Not all of them, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You know, those 60-fold people, the word of faith, 
people, the Pentecostals, and the charismatic people. Those three people that God showed me in a vision years ago in room number two. They, a lot of them have moral problems. A lot of them have a lot of moral problems. So it makes me believe this. My experience is this. They don't have the Holy Spirit. They, they, let, me, let me put it this way. They may have the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit don't have them, so to speak. Man, I've been raised in church, people prophesying. I'm talking about prophesying some stuff. I'm talking about seeing stuff, whether it's true or not or however they did it. But I'm going to tell you, they, they, just look at the leaders of the denomination I used to be part of. Kidding me. I'm going to be baptized into the cloud. There's seven aspects of baptism. It ain't just baptism into water. Listen to this. And, and let me say this. The fact is this. The forgiveness of sins only takes place at baptism. After a person repents and believes what God said his promises are, you, you, can't, you don't get saved in your room somewhere. Somebody says, well, what about the thief on the cross? Okay, next time you're hanging on the cross next to Yeshua, then it may happen to you. You might be the exception. So don't start that with me. Baptism into water, baptism in the Holy Spirit, baptism with fire, baptism into uh, the body, baptism into, listen, people want to avoid this one, suffering. Acts chapter 14, verse 22, nobody tried to trick you into this. I certainly haven't. I've been upfront and honest with you all these years, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must with much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. That's the baptism of suffering. And, and the Bible says, not as a thief or a busybody or evildoer, you know, but because of righteous things. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, 22. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Every man in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, and afterwards they that are Christ at his coming, or at his perusia. That's a, that means the manifestation of, Yah, of Yahshua, his appearance. Christ in us. Guys, we're formed in His image. His presence in us is presented to the world for them to see and for His glory. And the glory that we are going to be firsthand partakers of. Let me tell you what Romans 8 says. Again, this is something that I've avoided using the terminology, but I don't think anybody even knows what manifested sons of God even means as far as the group of men that one time, George Warnock and, and Bill Britton and those guys, they were a, a movement and they believed that God was going to manifest and they were going to be like Enoch because they believed Enoch didn't die when the Bible says he did, that they're going to just not die and move beyond to another existence or something. And of course, they all died. But the word, the terminology, the manifestation of God's sons, it says, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of God's son. All the earth, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Hallelujah. For we know that the whole creation has been growing together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, watch this, who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly. And we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. I've tried to gather before. I've been around men who were gatherers. They, they're building up stuff, you know. And I mean, if you didn't, if you didn't get into the gathering, they'd get mad at you. I'm doing this, be part of this, I'm going to gather, gather toward their, 
with their own understanding, their desires. A lot of gathering in churches, I believe, is just ambition. It's a deficit that's trying to be filled to fulfill something that's so empty in them. And, and they get there, and I'll tell you, guys are literally killing themselves in the ministry because they get to the top of the ladder, as they say, and it ain't the right wall. Pleasures, all these things. I've met many people who also believe they've been gathered. Been gathered by God, but they weren't. Look around you. People come. There's, God tried to gather people. Guess what? They, they, they're not. You know what they say? When you see somebody do something, believe them because that's who they are. They can talk all they want. They can yak, 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 yak. Oh, oh, I love God. I love this. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm like, hey, don't, just don't tell me that. Look, you're not. And I'm going to tell you all, there's been, I'm going through a little transition here recently, and I'm going to tell you, that's what I'm telling people now. Nah, no, I, no, you can't come back here. How about that? No, you're, no, you're not going to come back here. No, no. You think I have the right to do that? You dag, I'm right, I do. I feel a little resistance on y'all with me that right there. But we're, we're, we're go fix, getting ready to the finish line. If person ain't, their heart ain't right, they ain't going to serve God. Look, don't waste my time, and I don't want to waste yours. You know, we won't have to put so many chairs out. We'll just put five or six out there, and we'll be good. I ain't kidding. And yes, I may be a little raw over the recent circumstances, but I, I'm not, I'm not, this ain't raw talking. People been gathered by men. That, that, I've seen a lot of people deceived, abused, hurt, bitter, disillusioned. And in all of that, listen to this. Because when I was, before I knew the truth, do you know that Yahweh used me? He used me. Now, that has a negative connotation. If it's a woman... If I said a woman used me or a man used a woman and used, that sounds bad. But I'm going to tell you what, Yahweh will use a jackass, a rooster. He said he'd speak through the stones with crowd. I, I found out that's not a line to be in that you should be proud of. God can use a jackass. And so I know people that are qualified. We ain't playing church no more. The days of Ananias and Sapphira are upon us. People think they can play with God. You can't do it. No, it's time that we enter this, this end of this age. Yeah, Yahweh may have talked to you some. He might have used you here and there. He wasn't away with us. You know, he's everywhere if you want to look at that part of who God is. He's, by his spirit, he's, he's omnipresent. He uses, he determines maybe our correction or discipline, instruction, development, whatever. But this is the problem. We're not with him. He's doing stuff our whole life. You think we just do it anyway? Because you know what? You don't know that God's terrible. Who made evil? I did, God said. Let me go back here. I got to read you something here. Yeah, I read it to you earlier here. Let me find it right here. He said, look, we don't know who God is. I'm not going to read the whole scripture. Let me tell you what, guys. We don't know who we are messing with. And it's like the guy told me, well, I just ain't going to serve God then. He don't care. Don't let the door hit you in the butt. Don't let it work. Don't care. Are you being mean, Johnny? No, I'm trying to save your life. For Christ's sake, open your eyes and your ears. That's the title. Yahweh used me, yeah. And because he's been with us, now we're being judged. It begins in the house of God. It begins with us. What will be the outcome of those who don't obey the gospel of God if we who know it and understand it, and we still do whatever we want to do, not understanding we've been bought with a price. You can't just go and play around and mess around and not obey God. And so when things happen, we blame others. We blame circumstances. We blame God. God, I've tried to serve you. I've been doing this for you, God. I've been, oh, my God. I am embarrassed to ever say anything like that to God. I was telling Coach the other day, I said, yeah, man, I'm, you know, I got my boat all 
all ready, man, spent money improving it, getting everything just the way set up the way I want to. And I'm just, I guess I'm just too lazy to even get in it. I mean, I'm going to sell it. I'm just lazy. So I'm embarrassed to say to God anything like that to say, you know what I've done? You know how good I've been? I'm the mercy of God. Anything that I have is by His mercy and His grace. But He's also that other side that I read to you this morning. He's also a God of judgment and justice. And you better watch who you're playing with. Well, I don't see any, any evidence of anything bad. I almost asked a guy yesterday, well, how's it? I really, I, I, not to be mean or anything like that, but I was like, I'd like to have a, get a survey. A guy that doesn't come to church anymore, and he doesn't tithe. And I heard he said this. He may not have said this. I just, he said, you know, hey, you know, I can't really see the difference when I tithe or don't tithe. And I'd like to take a survey of people in that thing and just say, okay, for my own benefit, I want to know, I'd like to see what, if there's a difference. I don't go to church. I don't tithe. I don't do, you know, all those kind of things that, that people who don't want to serve God say is religious. Man, all of our... I've done, you know what I've done for God. You know what I've done for God? I've given up everything. Man, I've devoted my whole life to God. I've helped people. I've given money to people. I've sacrificed. I've done all that. God, that big deal. Our false, selfish motive, our idols. We're honest, man. What we do, we want to be praised and coddled and appreciated and recognized and accepted and free of responsibilities that's rightfully ours. That's why I say we will not be a victim church. For every Sunday, all we can do is, is just be, you know, heal each other's wounds. We're going to be a victorious church. When people are hurting, we can minister them back to health. If every one of us are so miserable and, and, and sad and their life's so bad, I want to say I don't think it is. Which are complaining, as I said on Facebook recently. I'll tell you what I did. I blame myself. That's what I did. I stopped blaming other people. I stopped blaming other circumstances. I stopped blaming God. You can blame God. Instead of hanging our heads in despair and shame and, oh, if I wouldn't live for God, oh, I'm so much better over there. Go. So I guarantee when I come get your house and get the survey, it ain't going to be good news. And that ain't a threat. Are y'all hearing me out there in TV land? Talk to you about shaking our fists toward heaven and God and our ways and our words and our thoughts. God said this. In order to enter the kingdom of God, you've got to love him. If you don't love him, you won't enter the kingdom. And most people have not got honest in their relationship with God in all kind of areas. But really, the reason we serve God might be because we do think that he might do something that's going to hurt, detriment, uh, be detrimental to our present life or our blessing. I don't want to lose my house or my car. or my, I don't want bad things to happen to me, so that's why I do it. It can't be that either. Eventually, God's people have to do what they do and keep his laws and ways because they love him. Y'all hear me? I'll tell you what I do like. I do what I like, what I see in this house, the love that I see in this house. Yesterday... And this past week was a great indication of people who love each other. I mean, you know, there's people who, this was their spring break, but they didn't go anywhere. They stayed and helped. There's people who, who just gave and set up stuff. And, you know, hey, listen, as your apostle, I'm going to tell you, thank you so much. Thank you for that gift of love. And, I mean, I didn't hear one person complain. Not one. Just bloop. Yesterday, it didn't have to announce anything. It just got done. And all those y'all that are involved, you know, thank you so much on behalf of my family and, of course, Joel, Crystal, and Courtney. So I see a love here that I haven't seen ever before. People. 
And I've seen a loyalty here that I've never experienced before from a people. And I've seen a sincerity here through all the years I've never seen before. I guess, well, I don't know if we're just getting so old, we just don't care about putting on a show or nothing like that, you know? We say, look, I need help. This is who I am. I want to be loved for me. Those that are listening to this word of prophecy today, it's time to lift up, lift up our heads because this is the beginning of the ingathering. This is it. We're entering the third feast. Feast of Trumpets is the first one. You have spiritual ears to hear, you'll hear it. The trumpets are sounding. John 16, 33. Yes, in the world we have tribulation. 2 Timothy 3, 12. Yes, all those who live godly in Christ will suffer persecution. Matthew 10, 38 and 39. Yes, we must take up the cross daily and suffer the loss of all things, even our own lives. Ephesians 6, 13 and 18. Yes, we must do battle every day. Matthew 10, 36. Yes, and they of our own house are our foes. But so what? The entrance into that third and final feast. The state and the place that humanity has been longing for for thousands of years. We are at the threshold. And I want to tell you, it makes it all far more, more than worth the price of anything that it may cost us. And yes, I've seen people in this house lay their lives down for their brethren and deny themselves more than I ever have in the history of this church. It's time is here. That we don't live to ourselves any longer. We live for us. This final baptism is upon us. Baptism into the cloud. The Bible talks about we're going to be caught up in the clouds. That ain't cumulus clouds. That's a cloud of people. Just like the great cloud of witnesses. Joshua is going to come. And we're going to get gathered together into that great cloud of witnesses. Not those that are already there waiting on us. Unless Joshua and Paul and Daniel and Isaiah and Moses are all liars. This morning, there's no better time for us to be alive. Don't let the cares of life and all those things choke out where we are. And let's don't even think about backing up. You hear me? There's others that are coming. You hear me? There's others that are coming. I know it. Yahweh has let them hear. They're coming. And they, I hope they come. What they find is a people who are not a people. Out of every kindred tongue and nation in the earth who have been called by that name, who will stand before Yahshua as one, who judged individually, we will be one. What's that church down there in Oak, Florida? I don't, Yahshua will probably pronounce it wrong like everybody else does. Ecle, 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 life? Yeah, that's it, ecle, ecle, bye.